You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports, the place to go for the top spring sports events in the region. Midco Sports and Midco Sports Plus are the home of the Howard Wood Dakota Relays, the NSIC Baseball Championships, and the Summer League Softball Championships, plus the original shows and extras that you love. It's all coming this spring on Midco Sports. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode 110 today, coming your way on the 12th of April, a Tuesday morning, Alex Siner, Bill Shaves. We talked about spring in our last pod. Hey, spring's coming, you know, first week of spring, etc. Even though we're like three weeks into this, hasn't quite officially kicked over. It's a feeling like we're out of winter, a historic winter event coming our way to the upper Midwest this week. That's always fun, right? Lots of opportunity, Alex. Um, we have a lot of tenants <laughs> on this podcast. Um, we always talk about opportunity. We talk about adjusting. Um, but we also talk about um, who's undefeated, father time and mother nature. And so uh, she's going to win again. Um, and we were able to get in three games this past week on the softball side. And it looks like uh, that's not going to happen in Grand Forks this weekend. So we're going to... Uh, we're going to flip the script a little bit and head to Vermilion and uh, try to get games in. Uh, that's that's the idea, right? So I I, I think I think it's going to be better uh, in uh, in South Dakota than it is North Dakota for sure. It does sound like yeah, temps are going to be in the fifties, maybe some rain potentially this weekend, but certainly not the you know fifteen to thirty inches of snow that are supposed to hit the region in North. I know that's more in the western part of the state, I suppose, but just. Just crazy numbers for this time of year. Uh, it always, it never fails, right? Easter week, it always seems like there's something. There's some kind of storm right around this time. And it just so happens it's coming when we have all these home softball games <laughs> ready to go. I would say, I suppose, better this weekend maybe than than the following weekend when you've got Champions Ball on the way and people are going to be coming from all over. I suppose if you were going to maybe pick between moving games to Vermilion and potentially canceling you know, an event that hasn't taken place since 2019 that's the biggest athletic fundraiser for the university's athletic department. You know, maybe, 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 maybe this week isn't so bad. Yeah, unless Mother Nature decides to stay. <laughs> I mean, and that would be there a problem. That. There There's that, that too. too. But yeah, never. How about this? Never a good time for a winter storm in April. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you're ready and prepared and are ready to go to stay inside for a couple of days and you've got your shovels and your snow pants, you didn't put those things away. I will say this, having grown up in New England, spent time in Spokane and now in Grand Forks, wherever retirement might lead us, it will not be with a snow shovel. <laughs> oh, you've had enough, huh? You've had enough of this? Yeah, I think we've we've done our time with it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I oh, there's opportunity for others uh, at some stage. There you go. Well, there are lots of beautiful places in this country or around the world where you can enjoy a little bit of sun, a little less snow in April. Not not anytime soon, you know. No, every in every every place has its weather issues. Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, you know, it's just I think, you know, this one this particular winter has been um certainly has had its share of uh both cold temps and precipitation. I mean, it's kind of had the double dip going and uh, it's going to make one more maybe exclamation point. And so that's, uh, you know, I, I, you just deal with it and, and hopefully the temperature gauge, you know, increases after that and away we go. Yeah, that's always the hope. So that kind of sets the scene for this episode of the Build Shapes podcast. Again, we already mentioned what the winter weather is doing to softball. Um, we're going to kind of run down the list of what's happening. We'll check in with a fun couple questions from the listenership out there. Kind of a new segment coming your way today, plus a lot of soccer talk and Red Sox talk on the B side. But softball's kind of where we'll start. And as you said, they were able to finally get home after a long non-conference season and the start of conference play on the road, as always. Uh, right now, Jordan Stevens crew two and seven in the Summit League. They they won a game in each of their first two Summit League series, and then another kind of heartbreaker weekend where they had two games that weren't maybe particularly close, and then one that went extra, extra innings against Omaha. They're just again trying to get games in and find a way to keep building this thing. And, and now again, you, you you were at the beginning of a long home stands. Now that gets broken up a little bit with a trip to a good USD team. But again, opportunity, like you said, the fact they're going to hopefully be able to play these games is a good thing as you keep building toward the Summit League Championships in the middle of May. 
Yeah, it's, you know, second game of the series, uh, you know, uh, kind of a heartbreaker in extra innings. And uh, that was, you know, again, I think it was a, probably a momentum uh, bump uh, for Omaha for uh, going into Sunday. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to have to uh, kind of dust ourselves off and, uh, and play well in Vermilion. We know we're, we've got our work cut out for us playing a pretty good USD team. And it's a softball team that also has had a couple of games postponed already this week. They were supposed to play Mayville State, I believe today, sorry, on, on yes. the 12th. And then those yes. games have now been moved until April 27th. And they've got, a again, road series at USD. Now a road series coming up against St. Thomas as well on the 23rd and 24th. So a couple of road dates on the way before they finish up at home, at least, before the Summer League Championships kick off. Crazy that that's just around the corner. They're really... The season is long in some sense because you play all these games all across the country. But once you hit conference play, it really is just a handful of weeks and then you're off into the conference tournament. It is. It's, um, you know, a lot of our uh, it's just interesting, the cadence between sports, uh, you know, in conferences. Same same thing happens really in the soccer room. Right. Like because you don't have that double you don't have that double round robin, if you will. And so uh, once you play someone, boom, it's over. And then you're on to the next one. And then you're right. It's literally half, half the time. Uh, and then depending on the particular sport, potentially not all members uh, are sponsoring that sport. And so, so it even becomes maybe even a little bit quicker than what you would, uh, I guess, gather in your head uh, if it were, say, like a basketball or, or volleyball. Yeah, like men's tennis, for example, which we discussed on our last podcast. For North Dakota, the games this weekend against South Dakota were going to be live on Midcoast Sports when they were going to be played at Apollo. Now, unfortunately, because of the shift, we don't have the fiber infrastructure at the South Dakota softball complex to do those games live, unfortunately. So we're going to have to X those off the schedule. There's talks now of trying to pick up maybe an additional game later in the season. But right now, April the 30th against North Dakota State, that doubleheader against Grand Forks, our next scheduled live action for UND softball coming on Midcoast Sports and Midcoast Sports Plus. Stay tuned uh, if we can pick up another game or two as things go along. Yeah, so last pod, we talked about timing and how that sinks. And now we're talking about, again, infrastructural type yeah. stuff. So again, the, the pod is always trying to be a bit educational too. We try to be. I mean, I think sometimes from a, if you're listening out there and you wonder, well, why can't you just, just pull up a satellite truck? Or why can't you just do, if you don't have sort of the in-the-ground infrastructure at that site, aren't there other things you can do to broadcast something? And there are, but not necessarily on this type of notice where it's a Tuesday and those games will be coming on Friday. There are some hoops you'd have to jump through that we just don't have in-house to be able to pull something like that off. There's there's so much work that goes behind the scenes to get these broadcasts off the ground. And a lot of it is engineering and figuring out how you get a signal back from a certain place. It's unbelievable. It's not just showing up with the camera crew <laughs> and a couple microphones and calling it good. There's so much that goes into this. So we, uh, again, apologize that we can't get those games for you this weekend. I believe USD might have a stream on their website. But again, check out FightingHawks.com to see what you can find out. Uh, and hopefully you'll be able to watch those games live, assuming they do take place. Yeah, may or may not. And I, I've heard... Um... I think it's 50-50 because, uh, of course, now we're altering at the last minute. It's a holiday weekend and there's a few things going on. And so, so again, I, I, I think, um, you know, it might be in a scenario where it's just, hey, we're trying to get games in to, to, uh, to do, uh, um, you know, to fulfill as many uh, competitions as we can throughout the year. Yeah, competition. That was the big word last year in 2020 and 2021. We're trying to get them in for different reasons now, not illness, but weather. But certainly that's the goal. Get these games in, give these ladies the opportunity to play a full schedule. Keep moving forward. Correct. Speaking of moving forward, uh, other spring sports in action, outdoor track and fields was in Vermilion a couple of weeks ago. Kind of a smaller group went down there because they had been all across the country the week previous. They had an off weekend this past weekend. They're all going out to California next weekend for the Brian, or this coming weekend, excuse me, for the Brian Clay invite at Azusa Pacific out in LA. They'll be back in Vermilion at the end of the month. Some of the championships, not that far off, May the 12th through the 14th down in Tulsa, Oklahoma this year. What's what's your take right now on where that group is as they start to move forward and get a little bit deeper into this outdoor season? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I'll have a better read when uh, they come back from California. Uh, Kyle Doporowski, who we'll 
mentioned, uh, you know, what's transpiring with Kyle professionally, which is kind of a, a neat thing for him. Um, but he's going to uh, make the trek out with uh, with the track teams. And I think we'll have a better understanding of maybe where we are. That's uh, pretty popular um, track meets uh, this time of year out in California. And uh, to have one more uh, set of hands and eyes and uh, to try to maneuver around uh, makes sense for him to go out there. So, you know what, maybe I'll have a better read. I'll, I'll, we'll ask him and then, you know, before he departs, you know, maybe we'll have him on as, as a guest on, on the pod. Maybe we can do it two for one. We can get an update heading into the championships and we can talk about his uh, about decade career here at UND. I love it. I think that's a fantastic idea. Kyle, longtime member of, of this parish, 10 years with the University of North Dakota Athletics Department, making his way back home towards Kansas. And he's going to be a part of the Kansas High School Activities Association in a leadership role. A great move for him and his family. And you can tell in the, in the conversations that we've had with Kyle and what you've seen. I know if you're if you're tracking on this on social media, this wasn't an easy choice for him. And I know he loved Grand Forks and loved the University of North Dakota and his family did too. And he's certainly going to be missed a great servant to this this athletics department and this university for a long, long time. Yeah, it really opened, uh, you know, the, the, that opportunity kind of just to some degree uh, opened up and it it kind of checked some boxes for him as a, as a high school athlete, those are the sports he played. And, uh, certainly, uh, also, uh, you know, obviously as we've noted on this pod, uh, on multiple occasion, uh, ran cross country at the university of Nebraska. And so, um, obviously has, uh, uh, a wealth of experience. And I think the other thing that's going to be interesting for him and having uh, spoken to the executive director, um, you know, as, as Kyle was going through the process, I think he just is going to bring a different, um, different maybe viewpoint. Uh, a lot of times uh, when you're in the college game, it seems like you hire a lot of folks from college. Makes sense. Same pros, same high school. But I think his kind of crossing over will give them um, maybe a, just a different vantage point of some of the things that is maybe standard operating procedure here at the college game and maybe can bring it down to the high school level. But he's he's got a pretty large task in front of him. It's uh, pretty significant, but I think he's up for the challenge. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, he'll he'll be a great asset to the Kansas High School Activities Association, and he will be. He's going to be a tough guy to replace for sure. You're going to need maybe two or three to fill his shoes moving forward. But again, well done to Kyle. He still has a couple more weeks left, of course. And yeah, it'd be great to get him on the podcast next time around to hear some of his stories and hear his thoughts. And yeah, let's let's have him uh, let's have him get out to California, and then uh, and then maybe in two weeks might be right for us to get him on at that point. So uh, so yeah, so that I think that's a good way of doing it. And again, he can preview the Summit League as well. Yeah, I love it. Kyle listens to this podcast and also produces this podcast. So he's going to hear this before, before it drops. Congratulations, Kyle. You're going to be on the podcast next week. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. That's exactly right. So yeah, on the uh, 26th of April, uh, keep you yourself open because that's, that's probably the next time we're recording. <laughs> I love it. It's fun to book a guest during the show when they don't know about it. Uh, good luck to our tracksters as they go west here this coming weekend. A couple other news and notes around UND Athletics. Busy Hockey Week. Obviously, the NCAA Championships wrapped up in Boston this past weekend. Another title for the NCHC. Five in the last six years now with Denver winning over Minnesota State. That was a crazy game, by the way, Bill, wasn't it? I mean, just Minnesota State had that completely under control for about 35 minutes. Yep. one nothing. Denver, Denver looked so out of sync, and the whole thing shifted. The last five minutes of the second period, momentum moved a little bit. And then it was a completely different game in that third period. Yeah, each uh, you know each sport has its own rhythm, and uh, the sports such as soccer or hockey, where it's so so hard to score, that even though you could have incredible momentum, you know uh, Minnesota State should have been up by more, right? Like they were kicking themselves at the end of the day, one nothing. It felt like maybe ten nothing, but at the end of the day, it wasn't. And then it took one goal, and then all of a sudden the thing just flipped on its head. Yeah, give the Pioneers a ton of credit. That was, it was a great effort and a resilient effort to stick in the game and keep it one nothing for so long. And then, yes, they end up winning 
three three quick goals in the third, and they get the two empty netters at the end to seal it. So well done to another NCHC team. I thought it was classy, by the way. Alec Johnson, who, who runs the UND Hockey Twitter account, RSID for that program, had a just a nice message to our NCHC brethren, even though it's a huge rival, of course. It I, you could see that from Colorado College as well. Like people around the league, friendly rivalry is not really the word I want to use, but there's so much respect, I think, amongst the league mates for these programs. It's not easy winning these things. And that was a pretty good Denver team. And there were a lot of really good teams, including North Dakota this year, that obviously didn't get the job done. And for them to do it, you say congratulations. And you say, we're going to come at you next year. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to, to, to lift the trophy um, takes um, uh, certainly a level of um, playing well at the right time and having certain certain roster spots, I guess, in your lineup. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, it, you just don't know how it's going to play out in, in, in March and April. And, um, you know, I think you start the year to kind of build up equity with pairwise. And then, then you hope that when you flip the page uh, calendar in January, you start playing your, some of your best hockey in, uh, in February and March. And sometimes it's just, uh, you know, um, luck of the draw to some degree, whether or not you've got all of your, your guys or not. And then to get a, you know, a, a bounce, right. I mean, you need to get the, the puck in the net and all of a sudden you move on. I mean, I, we find a way to score in overtime. Who knows what happens against Mankato. Right. I mean, and, and again, Notre Dame was, you know, one goal away from, from making the frozen four themselves. So the parody at the highest levels in the goaltending is so good that um, it's just hard to score. And then, then I'll say one last thing, the coaching, the coaches and the players are so well prepared as to who they're playing that from a technical standpoint, they know exactly what they need to do. And uh, it's just, it's a challenge to score goals. Absolutely. As, and when that time of year, the game gets tighter. We saw that really through all of the postseason, starting in the NCHC quarterfinals into the Frozen Faceoff, certainly the regionals, and then the Frozen Four. It, it was a lot of one-goal hockey games, a lot of 2-1, some one nothing. The game tightens up, and you have to really guard against any type of mistakes or lapses because teams are so good, they'll make you pay when those things happen. So, again, congrats to Denver. Now that the season is over, we we're kind of into off-season mode, and you know North Dakota has a lot of guys that have opportunities at the pro level. And we've already we talked last week about Jake Sanderson signing with Ottawa, Zach Driscoll and Connor Ford, who were out of eligibility. They both have signed pro deals. Zach, by the way, also winning the Senior Class Award, second UND player to do that now in the last three years after Jordan Kawaguchi won it. Zach signing with the East Coast Hockey League's Toledo, um, and then Connor Ford signing with the Henderson Silver Knights, the top AHL affiliate of Vegas. So those two starting there pro careers now as well but yeah one of the things you wanted to talk about some players are moving on to the pro ranks a lot of others are moving on to other opportunities within college and we're seeing the transfer portal be a pretty full place for hockey and for other sports as well right now what do you make of all this it's a little bit similar to last year but almost but different also in some sense what are your thoughts right now yeah different um for sure different on our end because of i would say the uh um the amount of uh, the amount of guys that are going to be coming back for us. So there's just a, there's there's less I, I would say movement for us um, per se. But I still feel like in hockey, it, it, you know, I think certain individuals are looking for opportunities for ice time. I mean, I, that, that that's what it kind of feels like to me, um, more so than maybe in basketball or even football to some degree, where uh, as um, I don't know. I, I it just, that's the way I kind of see it at this point, but I will say this though, Alex, I think, you know, data is going to be interesting and it'll be our friend at some stage, you know, when we figure out the next, you know, couple of years and then what's actually happened as far as landing opportunities and, you know, and in hockey it's uh, so we'll go inside baseball a little bit. Um, so hockey is what's called an equivalency sport, what it's called in regards to scholarship aid. So I get 18 and I can spread it out among individuals. When you have a headcount sport like basketball, you're going to always be a 1.0 scholarship or you're going to be a walk-on. It's one or the other. It's binary. It's zero or one. And so 
you know, I think for the basketballs, that data will be interesting to see. Did someone leave a scholarship situation and maybe not get one? Maybe. I don't know. You know, maybe for hockey, I was a 25% somewhere and I'm going to be a 75% somewhere else. And I'm going to ultimately meaning probably going to get more ice time, right? I mean, if I'm going to, if, if I'm a coaching staff and I'm going to spend 75% on somebody, I, I, my guess is I'm not, it's not 75% to sit on the bench. <laughs> so, so I think those are some of the, you know, I think information that still needs to be kind of vetted out as we've, you know, seen the portal, you know, kind of do its thing. But again, the portal's just a mechanism. I mean, we've always had transferring, you know, the, the, the differential here is the actual year in residency for those sports. You get a one-time transfer exception where you can play right away. So I, again, I like to always try to continue to explain that, that I think it's easy to say portal this and portal that, but the reality is that's just the mechanism. Yeah, the means of accomplishing that. And the penalty that used to go along with it now just have been shifted a little bit in these sports. Yeah, I, I, I think that was maybe the conversation that we were in uh, two weeks ago when we uh, were Missouri Valley football conference meetings. And we were talking about, is there timing that might make sense when you kind of enter the portal or, you know, almost like signing periods, right? Like, is there, should there be more like portal periods, if you will? And I think that might be the next iteration of, of, of the portal moving forward. And of course, each sport would be its own based on their season. Interesting. That's, that's maybe a positive piece of legislation to look into because we've seen, and North Dakota had this happen during spring football, where you've got a starter on the offensive line get into the portal during the postseason. And we saw that last year with Montana State, same thing. Their, car, their starting mm -hmm. quarterback goes into the portal, I think, before mm -hmm. the quarterfinals. I mean, that kids, I think, maybe feel the kind of pressure sometimes or are being told one thing or another, like, you got to go in now or else your spot's going to get taken by somebody else. And if that just wasn't an option, you wouldn't have kids making such knee-jerk decisions. Yeah, I, I mean, it's almost like, okay, what if we learned through this first couple of years and – how can we alter to help everyone through the process? Because you're correct. Like if I know it starts on this date, then I'm not going to maybe the urgency of having to do something right there may not be there. Yeah. I think that's, that's smart to me. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, just a matter of figuring out what those, what those dates are, how it makes sense for everybody. One other piece of this too, from a hockey perspective and also for basketball as well. And for all these other sports that are experiencing this, we're seeing some of these players who are, getting that extra COVID year of eligibility, you know, make that decision, you know, do I want to come back? Do I want to move on? How does this all work? If I want to come back, can I, is there going to be a spot for me? And that's what we've seen with North Dakota and with other schools as well, but North Dakota specifically already this off season, you know, Ashton Calder was a really good player for this team this past year, but Mark Senden and Gavin Hain, who are both four-year guys, both decide to come back for a fifth season. UND has three really good forwards who are all ready to come in and, have been essentially promised a spot for good reason. All of a sudden you don't have space for, for some of these guys that were a part of the team last year. Now Calder has gone into the transfer portal. And I think sometimes the, the, the quick take on this is that these athletes are being, you know, they're looking for greener pastures. You know, you're leaving a situation thinking, okay, it's going to be better someplace else. And that might not be the case for all these kids' situations. Every situation is unique and different. And I think we would encourage you as a listener to not be so quick to judge because sometimes someone has no other choice but to go. It's either, hey, well, I can go to the transfer portal or try and sign pro someplace because I, I don't have a spot anymore. My scholarship is now gone at the place that I was. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, truly. And, and maybe, the, maybe one way to just say it is, hey, if, if anything in life, keep your options open. Keep as many options open as possible until you decide what direction you're going to go. And so, you know, Ashton will get his degree from UND, which is awesome. And, you know, he's going to go on and, and, and somehow, um, you know, he'll, he'll play somewhere for sure. But I think for, you know, his sake right now, he, he's really crazy not to just keep options open at this point in time and then decide what's in his best interest. Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch. Again, every day it seems like there's a few names that either join the portal who maybe were a little surprising or who sign other places. And that's another wrinkle to this offseason now, um, given sort of the new rules and parameters that are in place. 
uh, one of their unique, there are two other hockey things. Again, we're, we're talking so much hockey here, middle of April, but it, it's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's the hot stove season in this particular sport. There was some big expansion news. We, we've now got two new teams set to join D1 men's hockey next season with Lindenwood making that announcement a couple of weeks ago. And then Stonehill out in Massachusetts, which is actually, this is, this is your neck of the woods. This is my mother's alma mater, by the way. She was a basketball player at Stonehill. Then when that was back, I think when they were either NAIA and they've moved up to D2, and now they're making the move to D1 for next season. But Stonehill College and Lindenwood set to join the D1 men's ranks next year. Augustana and Sioux Falls the following season. There's rumbles that Utica is going to maybe make the move from D3. There's a lot of other programs that are kind of in the mix. I know you've got NCHC meetings coming up this next week. I'm sure these things might not necessarily be on the forefront, but what are your thoughts as we go from kind of hovering around that 60 number for a while to now we might be close to 64, 65 here in, in a year or two. Yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah. So uh, when I started out my career at Quinnipiac, Stonehill was in the Northeast 10. So um, got to know them very, very well. Uh, in fact, the Naismith uh, National Coach of the Year was Ed Cooley, who was, uh, when I was a first year Oh, let's just say Alec Johnson. Uh, Ed Cooley was a junior and senior on Stonehill. So there you go. So go Skyhawks. Yeah, there you go. At that point, Chieftains. That's right. There's a name change there. Yep. So, so there you go. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, if you go back a little bit, when the Northeast Conference is looking for members, they do sort of kick tires on some of those schools that are in the Northeast 10, really good division two conference, uh, really, really good. And Stonehill has been one of the uh, pillars in that conference for, for a long, long time. So didn't surprise me, but of course you're bringing your entire program up. And I guess they had a choice to make at that point in time, you know, what do you do with hockey at that stage? And because the Northeast conference certainly doesn't have it. So um, I don't know. I, I you know, it, it, I, I think they, they make the move and, you know, they probably now see what transpires. I mean, maybe Atlantic hockey makes sense for them. That would be my guess. So I'm sure they're having those conversations as we speak. Atlantic hockey's commissioner is Bob DiGregorio. Bob DiGregorio was a longtime athletic director at Merrimack College. So when Merrimack was in the Northeast 10 Conference, and then they went Division One in everything. So, again, the uh, little history lesson for uh, the Northeast 10 Conference. Didn't think we'd go that direction today, but the pod, you never know what direction we go with the pod. <laughs> oh, you never know. You just never know. Uh, they will be an independent for the moment. Lindenwood, same story. Augustana, same story, along with Long Island, along with Arizona State, who is still looking for a home, the Alaska schools, et cetera. Do you foresee in the next two, three, and we're speculating, and we don't like to do that necessarily on the pod, but you would assume now that we're going to have seven, eight independents, that there will be a little realignment here coming before too long. That's a really good question. I think uh, so maybe to answer uh, it this way. And, I, I, you know, that's a conversation that I think you it's like a standing bullet item that I think you need on your uh, conference meetings, which will be heading here to face to face first time in a few years. Uh, always have our conference meetings prior to the coaches meeting uh, in Florida. And so we'll be doing that this uh, upcoming weekend. And so uh, I think it's a standing conversation. I would say this though, Alex, some years probably seems uh, maybe more of a wash, rinse, repeat type thing. And then other years becomes more, uh, wow, okay, we got to talk about some things here because, you know, for the greater good of the game, I think that's really where the conversation, I think we all feel like we're stewards of, of this uh, awesome game. And, you know, there's, there's a finite of schools that do play it. So we have to be thoughtful about where they land. And so uh, we'll have, we'll definitely have a landscape conversation and what that all means, you know, now further, I mean, we have this other little uh, detail of getting a, a new commissioner for the league too. So, so that's a, you know, it's just a small detail that needs to, uh, occur as well. So, you know, Dr. Armacost as, as the co-chair with uh, Josh Burlow, they don't, they, they've got their hands full along with the search committee to, uh, to kind of figure that one out. And so all of this is kind of happening in real time. I'm assuming that will be one of the big bullet points at NCHC meetings this coming week. Anything else that'll be discussed in terms of 
you know, things that you know. It's a, it's a rule change here in college hockey. I'm sure some of those things will come up. What else kind of stands out? What are you expecting to discuss this week? Yeah, so Eric Martinson, uh, who's on the rules committee uh, representing uh, us here at UND and the NCHC, is he was uh, out in Boston and they had some conversations about rules and just trying to figure out, you know, what is going to be on the docket. I'll have a way better um, understanding of, I think, what, maybe what's hot and what potentially could pass um, at some stage. And you know what? As we're talking about guests, we should have Eric Martinson on, too, because at the end of the day, he's the one that's sitting in those rooms. I'm really not. So, I mean, well, cut the cut the middle person out. I mean, we should we should get straight to the horse's mouth once that occurs as well. I love this. It'll be fun to see what comes from those meetings yep. and everybody will be curious and we will not a lot of that stuff is going to get released, but we'll find out eventually and it'll set us up for more success in the conference of champions. That is the NCHC for 2022 and 2023 shifting gears a little bit. I think that kind of runs down most of the UND athletics talk at the moment. Anything yeah, one one doing? quickie. Um, it looks like, unfortunately, women's tennis lost a tough one to Omaha this past weekend. And, you know, it's almost like scoring goals. So here's what I'll say. I had to depart. I left after the all-important doubles point, which it is very important. And at one point, we were up 3-2 in each of the matches. And if for those of you not following college tennis, there's three three doubles matches going on simultaneously. The first courts to win two gets a point. And then you have six singles matches and they all account for a point. So a lot of times you may split those singles matches. So it might come down to the, who won the doubles point to win the match four three. That's exactly what happened on Saturday. And, you know, what was even more difficult was we had won five of the six first sets in singles, but, but just like scoring goals, like Mankato, it can flip in tennis, right? Because at the end of the day, you can't run out the clock. You actually, you have to win two sets. And just because you won the first set, it doesn't mean you add on to it. It's not aggregate. So you get to start zero, zero again. And, you know, I mean, what you did the first set and I, you know, Djokovic and, and again, Brad Schlossman would love this part portion of the uh, conversation uh, because it's, it's tennis centric, but, but Djokovic is king of giving up sets. He gets down a break or two breaks. He'll let that set go. And then, you know, what, he gets back into it because at that point in time, he, he then knows, eh, I got to win three or four. I have to win three straight. It's such a momentum sport, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's it's one of the most, I think volleyball certainly is too, but tennis, when it, other than doubles, of course, when it's just you out there, when momentum starts to go away from you, there's nobody else to help rally around and help pick it back up. You got to get it back yourself. And you see that so often that you can win a set, maybe 6-1 or 6-2 and be in control. And if you get broken to start the next, and things can snowball really fast and you see these weird scores where, it felt like you had the match in hands and something flips and it's too bad that happens against us this past weekend, but still a couple matches left St. Thomas on the road coming up this Saturday to close out the regular season before the summer league tournament kicks off on the 22nd. Because even golf, Alex, you have your caddy out there. At least you've got someone to discuss something with. You still have to hit the shot, but I mean, but you're still getting, you know, an opinion from someone. I know you have coaches kind of walking around, but to some degree you're out there. I mean, you're, you've got to get it done. You know, it's, it's, it's wrestling. <laughs> it is not the staged kinds, but the, the Greco Roman, no, we're, we're, we're doing reversals and things. That's no, that's one, no one's going out on the mat for you. <laughs> oh, well, good luck to our tennis squads as well as they wrap up the regular season and get set to start postseason play. Uh, this is going to be a little new segment before we go to the B side for a quick flip. We had a, a great mailbag question come in from a, a listener that, that is a, a part of the UND alumni base, Twitter handle at Nodak651. His name's Eric. Uh, doesn't live in North Dakota, but follows the sports scene very closely. He had a couple of questions. And uh, he was just curious. We, we mentioned Josh Fenton a bit ago. Again, the NCHC looking for a new commissioner. Josh moving over to the Summit League. He wants to know if there's been discussions, maybe, maybe any hints of getting an NCHC.TV model for the Summit League moving forward? That was kind of the big question he was curious about. Bill, what do you think? 
Yeah. So uh, as, as schedules would have it, we actually had a summit league uh, meeting this morning. And so, uh, and in fact, you know, one of the things as Josh is coming into this role is, is trying to get his, uh, um, his head around where is everybody's rights at this point in time. I think the one thing that's going to make this one a little bit more challenging is that it's multiple sports. And, you know, I, I think in a one sport conference, it's a little bit easier to sort of get everyone aligned in the same in the same way. And so I think that's going to be a little bit the challenge right now. But the answer is yes, he's trying to figure out where's the room for us to to put ourselves in the best case scenario, both from a digital standpoint and both and, and from a linear standpoint. And so, but if you go down the path of each each school, they all have a little bit different contract. And so then it then it then the question becomes, you know, at what point do those contracts potentially sunset? And how do you align them and, and get them rolling? So it's a little bit of a task for sure. There's there's a couple of third parties that um, have uh, um, you know helped, I would say, conferences and even schools uh, with with their uh, media rights and trying to figure out what the best case scenario is. And so, um, I guess the short that's a kind of a long winded answer to say yes, conversations happening, but I also know that it's going to be a little bit trickier than just a one sport conference. Yeah, that was the one advantage that nchc.tv had is that you you had it right from the start. This is sort of a a unique one sport conference. You could begin with something like this as you're starting fresh where with the Summit League, he's joining kind of midstream and there are all these things to sort of figure out where every school is a little bit different, the organization's a little bit different, everybody has different rights deals, etc. But interesting, you know, those conversations are taking place. And obviously nchc.tv has been a really successful thing for the league and for fans of the league who can follow those games night in, night out um, across the season no matter where you are. Uh, one other question from Eric as well. Any update on the football facilities? Maybe just a little more in-depth conversation than just saying the project is close. <laughs> Any update yeah. on what's going on with? Because there are a lot, a couple things going on with football in terms of Memorial Stadium Phase Two at the Pollard Center. What can you tell us? Yeah, so you know, very on a very macro level, um, you know, this fits into the master plan of the university. So uh, you know, we're what we're trying to do across the entire campus is to right size our square footage. I mean, that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Also looking at facilities that are at a point where it's probably costing you more to run the facility than because you're just not efficient at this stage. And I think that's where we are with Hislop. Um, certainly that's where we were with Memorial Stadium. And so, um, you know, the idea is um, to move uh, anybody that's, I'll call it in the Hislop general vicinity across the street. Um, and what has changed over the last, I'll call it, maybe a year or so is we really as a university have gotten into the public private partnership game and mainly um, based on housing on campus. So we're upgrading our housing stock. You just need to go down university across from where the business school is and you'll see that that's occurring right now. So there's going to be uh, a P3 where Memorial Stadium was in that first floor We'll take, um, that'll be kind of a rental area, if you will, for our administration. And then across the way, there'd be an addition to the Pollard, which really was now, I guess, done in two phases because we had the indoor done. So what's over there is going to be, say, say locker rooms in, in weight room over to, to the sports that are in this general Hislop area, you know, yeah, until I feel like, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed, you know, I, I never, uh, you know, want to get over my skis, so to speak, but I, I would say things are progressing, you know, we should, you know, know more here as, as it's, uh, you know, going forward. And I hate to say more to come, but it's not a day that doesn't go by between myself and Eric Martinson and then others on campus that we're, we're trying to uh, work this through. Our folks in the foundation led by Mike Manassa and Deanna Carlson-Zink have done a phenomenal job in, in, in um, 
in, in going through uh, a fundraising, uh, let's call it mini campaign to, for the addition for the Pollard, but there's kind of just some moving parts on all of this. So again, yeah, nothing that we've announced at this stage of the game, but just know there's, there's not a day literally that's going by to realize we need to be in a different set of digs for uh, a lot of those sports, because that's literally, that's where they train. And so that's, you know, you, you see the Alara center. If we have people coming in to the Alara center for a football game, it's awesome. Like it's a great venue, but that's really only five or six and maybe someday, some years, seven home games, but that's not the every day. And so we've got to get the every day to where it needs to be. Yeah. That's a good update. I know that listeners maybe would want to hear, Hey, 2023, or this is going to be ready to go by this specific date. But these are huge projects, and you're raising raising funds for a couple different things. But it, it's good to hear at least that those plans are in place, that wheels are in motion, and that progress is being made on both of those fronts. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I and I think it, again, it, it all fits and melds into what the university's trying to do from an infrastructure standpoint. Because the campus looks gorgeous. I mean, I, yeah, it fantastic. looks beautiful. And and I'll tell you what, it's going to continue to 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 look this way. And 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 you know where Hislop sits right now, there's probably connectivity with academic units that might make some sense. So, you know, more to come as that's happening, but those are all things that Mike Pieper, our uh, associate VP for facilities, who does a marvelous job, is kind of working on with uh, executive council, VPs, et cetera. Yeah, good update there. Well, big thanks to Eric, Nodak651, for giving us the question. We do want to open this up as well, and we'll post this on social media. If anybody has other questions for Bill for future podcasts, feel free to send us those questions, either to the link of the episode that always gets sent out on UND Insider on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Feel free to email us personally or reach us out, you know, reach reach out to us on Twitter at North Dakota AD at A Heinert Midco. We are always happy to try and do our best. I say we. Bill is always happy to to do his best to answer the questions that you've got right now. And so we have a couple more podcast episodes coming for the rest of April and into May before we take a little summer hiatus. Plenty of opportunity to get your questions in before we sign off for a couple of months before we get ready to go in the fall. Ready for a quick flip over to the B-side from from the mailbag to, to the second side of this record. Big weekend in soccer this last weekend. Bill, you were watching Liverpool, Manchester City, sort of the pseudo title decider. The the um for you the appetizer for Spurs <laughs> and, and their match against Aston Villa on Sunday. But what a game, right? A great advert for the best league in the world, the English Premier League. Yeah. So the very first thing that got me, Alex, truly, and again, I'm I was just looking for a good game. I mean, and I think it w- it was uh, advertised that way, and it, it in it it checked the box. I mean, it was, it was a great game for sure. Um, I'm not sure, you know, much was decided for sure. Right. I, I mean, it's still <laughs> wide open at this stage of the game, but not surprising. It ended up in a tie, but you know, it wasn't a zero zero tie where the, it was like really defensive and, and it, it was, they, they were playing. I mean, it was, it was a fun, fun soccer match. You know, the thing that really jumped out at me, the initial thing was where's Jack Grealish mm, on the bench bill. Where's Jack Grealish. It's it's back to the transfer portal. Sometimes the situation can be better where you're at in some way, shape, or form. But you know, this year for him, who's a you know English national and had a really good run with Aston Villa, and you know goes to Manchester City, which obviously is vying for championships every single year on a lot of different fronts. But I'm not sure that's the way he envisioned a match like that to occur. Yeah, he's he's been certainly on the periphery this year. And you could say the same for a lot of these guys. Again, City has has brought in usually two marquee players almost every season for the last seven, eight years. And you've only got so many spots. And, and Pep especially like loves midfielders. That's sort of what he adds every season. And Grealish was sort of a, a type of player they maybe didn't quite have. Maybe Riyad Mahrez a little bit with sort of a flair player who can play a couple different positions. But yeah, they bring him in after he was the focal point of an Aston Villa team for so many years. And now he's kind of just in the rotation. And he started the game on the bench. He came in maybe for the last 10 minutes or so. Now he had played their Champions League game from the start against Atletico Madrid. And 
the Madristas, I mean, beat him up. I mean, they basically went after him. And so you can see there's that rotation aspect as well. But you're right. I mean, this is this is a guy that probably did not imagine he would be on the bench, named to the squad, but not to the starting 11 for the biggest match of their season. This champ, this title, in pseudo, title decider with one point separating these two clubs between first and second down the stretch. It is interesting that he has sort of been on the outs a little bit after going to City for 100 million pounds. They paid a lot of, you mentioned earlier, giving 75% of a scholarship to somebody you'd expect to get more ice time. You pay 100 million pounds for a guy, you'd expect him to be on the pitch. Not the case at Manchester City. Yeah, it's interesting. And and you make a lot of good points. I mean, Manchester City uh, always runs deep into Champions League and it's always in other competitions for sure. And so and, and it, it is getting to the crucial part of both Europa and uh, and and Champions League. I'm sure the conference, the conference as well, and the conference is well built. Yeah, I know it well. Um, but, I, you know, again, uh, I think our petition will be uh, heard at some point in time. So uh, we're still upset about that, by the way. Um, but the uh, but yeah, I, I you're, you're probably right. I mean, they need a deep, deep roster. And uh, but I just that seemed interesting to me, you know, given given any time you saw Villa play. I mean, he just uh, was given keys to the castle. Yeah, hundred percent. So you got you got to look at Villa up close without Jack on the weekend. Spurs, it was it was a close four nil. Felt like the first forty five minutes were. It was Mankato. It was Minnesota State, <laughs> right? I mean, Villa needed to score. Yeah. Then they and, didn't. And they didn't. They had a lot of chances that they spurned, and then and then you put him to the sword in the second half. Spurs now, by the way, have won four in a row in the league. Arsenal have lost three of four. Things have really flipped. You got a three point edge. West Ham has fallen off. You've got to feel great about your odds of finishing top four. Right now, well, West Ham, I think, is obviously all in on Europa. I mean, I think that's yeah. what they're thinking. That's their way to the Champions League. And so, uh, yeah, and with, with Tottenham at this point now, obviously new manager, uh, you know, sometime in October-ish or whatever, early November, now they have one match a week. And so it's like you get to you get to load up on, you know, I mean, they know who they're starting 11 in as, as long as, you know, guys don't tackle into somebody and you lose people for the rest of the year, uh, Doherty. And so at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we're playing some winnable matches and we're scoring some goals. I mean, I, you know, I we, we weren't great. Certainly the first half Villa was all over us, but uh, we found a way to score. And then the second one was backbreaking for Villa and then uh, tacked on two more. And so, yeah, now on to Brighton, right? Who just beat Arsenal. So it's uh, who knows. Um, but you, when you play once a week, Alex, it does make it, I hate to say a little bit easier, but it makes it easier. Makes it a little easier. You can certainly load up. It's the Kyrie Irving corollary. When you're just playing road games once a week, you can kind of put a little more into those versus playing back-to-backs and every other night. So be on the lookout. For Tottenham Hotspur, potentially in the Champions League, unless something happens down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, never, you know, which it never does for Spurs. Arsenal, Arsenal's got one one match in hand still, they, they and do. so so they they could they technically could be in a tie right now. But the big one's going to be uh, uh, in a couple of weeks when when we play on May twelfth. Yeah, they play each other, North London Derby for all the marbles. Be great. Quickly, one thought on the Red Sox start, and then we better get out of here. One and three, a little slow start to the season after going one and two against the Yanks and losing last night to Detroit. We've gotten used to slow starts, I think. Um, didn't we lose to Baltimore three straight last year? Yeah, 0 for 3 to start the season a year yeah. ago. And, and I don't think I was talking to Bubba. God bless Bubba. He's a uh, he is an Oriole fan he's no and he's he's stayed true to the Orioles. The Orioles cannot beat the Rays. <laughs> Did That's I see, like 20, 20 and one. Like that's the Tampa's record against Baltimore starting from last year. Like seriously, that's a, that's, that's why I'm happy that the, 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 uh, schedule is going to be uh, back to a balanced schedule, right? As opposed to an imbalanced schedule next year. I, they couldn't, it was too quick of a turnaround this year to do it. But yeah, I, you know, Red Sox just aren't hitting yet. I mean, they got off to a couple, you know, leads and that didn't hold on, lost the extra inning game, but they've been okay. I mean, they're fine. I, I just, um, they just got a hit. Yeah. Fun to have it back though, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, last night they just couldn't, uh, they couldn't muster really anything. I was just, I kind of had it on in the background, but uh, yeah, sometimes you get off to a slow start, such a long season, but uh, you know, better to win than lose early on, but uh, at least they didn't get swept in New York. That was, that was actually, you know, I think throughout the year, you don't want to get swept by anybody, but you certainly don't want to get swept by the Yankees, the Rays or the Jays. 1000%. Yeah. So the last thing I'll mention to you, and see your take on it, and then we get out of this pod, is seems like the Blue Jays have a little bit of an advantage this year with teams having to go to Toronto, and if they're not vaccinated, not playing. I mean, it seems like that's a pretty good advantage. Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see how many players fall into that camp. Now, I will say, didn't Toronto, I mean, they they were on... The other end of the spectrum in terms of having to maybe relocate to Buffalo or have like all the different things that have sort of been going on with their organization the last two years because of COVID. Maybe they were due maybe a little bit of a break in this sense, but you are right. I would, I would say it certainly is an advantage if you've got a team that's coming to town and their three, five and six hitters are just out of the lineup or their number two starter can't pitch this weekend because of those particular rules. It is certainly an advantage. Yeah. If you end up, if you just end up going to what we've known is we know every team's going to be affected. And so that's a pretty good, that's pretty good for them. Yeah. That's maybe why the Rays were picked to win the East. They're, they're kind of the, the darlings to win the AL. Everybody's sort of picking through. And obviously they've got a lot of really good young players. Jason Hajdu, by the way, who is a huge Blue Jays fan, is going to get after us by saying that this, this is the only reason why they're Hey, man, they're a great I'm just team, saying. But I, it is certainly an advantage. Yeah, like I, I, to the point where, yes, it's like getting off to the tee box and the first tee box and saying my back's hurting a little bit. You know, I, that's the reason why I might pull it or shake it. You know, the, the Jays winning – I'm just saying, Jason, I'm just saying <laughs> if he stays this long, he knows hey, that that's what we're already saying. So <laughs> little asterisk. Oh, I love it. Well, on that note, I think it's time to, to put an end to episode 110 of the Bill Chaves podcast. Bill, always great catching up. Best of luck powering through the winter weather this week, sir. Sounds good. Appreciate you, Alex. And uh, looks like we got some guests coming on uh, future pods. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Oh, Kyle, did you hear that, buddy? Kyle Doporowski is our producer. He's going to be on the pod next week. For Bill Shaves, I'm Alex Hunter. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Eric for the question. We'll talk to you soon on the next edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast.